by Bailey's Podcast, episode... I lost track. What is it? Six? Seven? Seven. Eight. The next one. The next one. The next one. The next one. We are, we are back uh, after a, sh- I would call it a short hiatus. Um, holidays. Ho- yeah, the holidays got in the way. We were trying to fit a couple guys in that mm-hmm. I think it's going to be after the holidays at this point. But anyway, we're pushing one out right before Christmas. Happy mm-hmm. holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Um, Happy holidays. When, see. What, what do All you say? Holidays. All yeah. the holidays. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait. Who so, was that? Well, we have another voice again. There's another, another voice in here. Guest. Yes. Hello. <laughs> this is Jen Hike. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. Jen was gracious enough to fill in for um, us this morning. We had someone else scheduled, last minute appointment showed up. Um, we will have them on, um, but I'm not going to tell you anything about them because it's going to be exciting. But Jen. Is, is, also also exciting. Exciting. Is, is also exciting. Is also exciting. And we were, she was, I was we actually just met with her, what, about a week ago? Uh-huh. And Wait for we the were, first time? No, no, no. Just oh. talking about, just shop talking. And I did say that I would like to get her on sooner than later. Yeah. And so it worked out well where we could get sooner. you on right here. Sooner. So thank um, you. Thank you for, for jumping in yeah, too. Yeah. Thank you. Notice. Thank you very much for coming. We had you kind of on a loose like schedule. For some time in January. next year, we're kind of we have a yeah. we have a list of people for the next year, but you know, with the holidays. So, so. It, it sounded like we had all these exciting people. We couldn't get them couldn't in the setup, and now we're able to. You know, don't feel bad. <laughs> we do that with every guest. Apparently, we've done that with everyone that's coming. We've said that. Don't worry, because we have someone coming. But here, by the way, here's so and so. Here's so and so. Yeah. No, we have a running kind of mental guest list in mm-hmm. order based off what we're doing. And we an ideal order, but it doesn't always work out that way. So, no. you know, you jumped there. Apparently, it hasn't worked people. out at all. Apparently, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. It's not working. So. <laughs> it's worked out for me. I'm yeah, yeah. We yeah. Got, we've got Jen, Jen in earlier than later. or mm-hmm. I guess that's the way you say that. Anyway, so Jen, welcome. She's, she is sick. She's fighting, a, I think, maybe even a sinus infection. Um, she's getting the wrath of the Colorado weather, which is ugly dry this time of year right now. It's And it wreaks havoc on people. You go from... 60 degrees probably today mm-hmm. yeah. to then snow on christmas eve yeah. and it's gonna just wreck everybody so yeah. don't move out here it sucks yeah, don't move <laughs> nobody likes it out here along with the wish we, that message would have gotten out to the 200,000 other people that came out last year we're gonna build a wall yeah. now yeah. 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 well yeah all of a sudden the wall in colorado starting to not a bad dope. idea yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I, I made it here that. from California before. You slipped in ahead of the gates. <laughs> the I question think. is, what border do you put it on? No one's coming from this. No one's coming from Wyoming down. Well, there's not very many people in um, Wyoming. I think everyone that w- yeah, everyone yeah. that could get out of Wyoming has just already. It requires done somebody standing at the border saying, "Jim, Jim, go back, <laughs> go back, Jim." <laughs> right? Because there's only like five people in Wyoming. Yeah. Turn around. Yeah. Uh, Turn around. Anyways, go ahead. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I um, also want to say thank you to Confluence SBC once again. Uh, we are here in the wonderful building that Tom Hardy owns. Thank uh, you, Tom. Thank you very much. Co-working Boulder County. Um, if you're looking for office space by the week, by the month, uh, by the year, leases. Um, I think he's full at the moment, but uh, ConfluenceSBC.com. Jump on there and see what they've got available. It is a wonderful establishment, and I hope we never leave. Nope. Because it's a nice spot. We would like to build a sound room at some point, Tom, so just keep that in mind because um, that'd be great. I can just leave the mics here. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. You actually should. That'd for be a shared yeah. workspace for the keep that, of, keep that in mind, podcasting, Tom. Podcasting, recording, commercials, marketing. 
I'm going to market for him and say he could do that and just rent it out because there's a huge demand for that. Oh, 100%. I mean, what's, so let's talk, buddy. Let's talk about that. Uh, I'd still like to meet Tom. You met keep... him briefly. When? Oh, man. You are getting old. It's been a while. Fact. You did meet him. He took a picture of us and he said, hi, oh, my name's Tom Hardy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm sorry, Tom. So, Tom, keep Apparently, that in Apparently, Tom too. was not that memorable. <laughs> 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 I'm just kidding. By the way, we still want to build that space. Uh, by the way, I still oh, would love to work well, with you. Well, there goes that idea. Never mind, guy. Tom. You know what? I, don't, I can right. do this without Evan, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, Tom. And then also thank you, Brian Scott, uh, 6'9 Design. Um, dude's still crushing the graphic design. Stickers. Print, stickers, um, print work. He's actually, uh, anything print related, this guy crushes. Uh, he's actually doing pictures for us now that we're hanging up in our house with the kids and the family. 6'9 um, Design, Brian Scott. Follow him. He's got tons of social media presence, but um, super creative, talented guy. Also, my brother-in-law, so I support that. A little bit of yeah. subjectiveness there, but actually, Brian is very creative. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you guys saw he did a logo for us for the podcast and for everything else that's going to transpire yeah. from it, too. So, uh, Just one you. of those guys that if you ask him, he'll do it. Yeah. Right? Even yeah. if it's inconvenient to him, he'll find a way to he get it He doesn't know how to say just... no, which is, you know, usually a good thing. Um, yeah. But be careful, Brian. But 6ix9ine, no thank you uh, for being our other sponsor. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right, so what are we talking about today? Well, let's, let's introduce... First, let's first Jen get Hike. to know uh, our guest here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. My name is Jen. It's Jen Hike. I am with SWBC Mortgage out of Boulder. My NMLS ID is 1894371, just to be compliant with all of our regulations. Boom. Got that covered. <laughs> Done. This is how you know she's legit. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she said it fast, which means yeah. she does it like that five I times know a day. it off the top of my head. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, mortgage industry and helping people with residential loans for all types of real estate. Um, I'm licensed both here in Colorado and in California. So How long have you been doing that? Um, I have been doing it for half of this year. Okay. Um, before that, I was a real estate agent, and okay. I've also owned um, several investment properties in okay. my own house. So you've been in the game. So industry oh, yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Mortgage the, lending uh, recently. Switch the focus. Yes. So you have something different. Yeah. Why? Uh, why? Why did you switch the focus? What? What? What was it about not not being a real estate agent, and then being a mortgage broker? What? What was the kind of tipping point where you're like, let's, uh, let's switch gears here. So for me, real estate has always been uh, a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. So, um, my, when I was, I want to say about 15 years old, my mm -hmm. grandmother got her real estate license and it was her first job she'd ever had. She had divorced huh. my grandfather and went to work Sweet. and she was really my first inspiration to, see what real estate could do for you in terms of building wealth. So she, mm -hmm. you know, obviously made her commissions, but she bought properties. Mm -hmm. And so when I came into my first little bit of money, when I was 24, I bought my first condo. Nice. Um, it was a totally distressed condo. And when I say distressed, like I'm pretty sure that drug dealers lived there before mm -hmm. I bought yeah. it. There were like holes in the wall for <laughs> drug stashes. That's the kind you want to buy. It was yep. perfect. Um, I, it was in, gosh, it was 2002. I think 2003, very early, um, but banks were giving out money to anybody with a pulse yep. and you could do it interest only mm -hmm. and you could do it 100% finance. So I did all of it, uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. completely remodeled the condo, mm -hmm. 
fell in love with the process, sold it, um, and that's when I got my real estate license. Um, So, you know, there's a big difference between being a realtor and being a lender just from a personality perspective. Um, And real estate just wasn't the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, a lot of aspects of real estate gave me a little bit of anxiety. It just Mm -hmm. didn't feel right. I think it gives a lot of people anxiety. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, You know, but there's, I feel like people who are better suited for it than I was. I did well. I mean, I sold eight homes in my first year. Like. But I was going out of my comfort zone to do it. Mm. So when um, we moved here to Colorado five years ago, I was a stay-at-home mom. We had a daughter. Um, still have our daughter. She's now five. <laughs> she turned out to be a bad one. We got, got rid of her. <laughs> traded her for traded her some else. steak. <laughs> a new car. A new car. I think she's doing well, though. Yeah, yeah. But she's in school now, so I've got some more free time on my hands. Yeah. So um, I, I had the opportunity to really turn that passion for real estate into a new career, and lending was a really good fit for me. Mm-hmm. The strategy of it, the finance of it, the numbers mm-hmm. of real estate mm-hmm. have always been my passion and my strong mm-hmm. suit. So this is a great opportunity so for me to do it. So it seemed to very, like, uh, it seemed to organically kind of happen, where there's natural transitions that, look, I'm in the right industry, but maybe not right in the right vertical absolutely very cool um first of all where are you from originally originally san diego so i grew up in san diego and then lived all over california i went to college at cal poly in san luis obispo moved up to the bay area for a couple years i was an internet strategist um i worked in berkeley or i lived in berkeley and i worked in south of market yeah um, that's did a that pretty area. Like that's kind God, of, it's yeah. one of my favorite areas. Yeah. Are you talking about States. South the Market? Just no, the, the whole Bay market area. Yeah. <laughs> I was to say yeah. when I worked in South the Market, it was not You're very like, nice. I don't know. It's, you, it's changed you a lot. <laughs> that was the year two thousand, so it's changed a ton oh, sure. since then. Um, but back then, I walked over a lot of things you don't okay. want your kids to see. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. In order to get yeah. to work, like yeah. dead bodies, needles, <laughs> pretty yeah, much. Yeah. You name it. God, it I was love there. that area though. I just yeah. wish it. It's so congested. <clears throat> it, you know, the Bay Area is the kind of place where I would. Okay, visions of grandeur here. It's like you're super rich, and almost you just yeah. almost a couple more years, couple more years, um, and then you just have a place there mm-hmm. where you're just like, I just want to go these time of years, or I want to go see this thing, yeah. and you just get to go there because that whole area, like driving down like Highway One and um, Half Moon Bay and all mm. these towns. Mm. God, I love Northern California. It's so beautiful out there. Yeah, it's, great. it's expensive though. Yeah, we had a, a Brian Scott, our sponsor, Six Nine Design, used to be well, not used to be. Sorry, buddy, um, was more into being a triathlete than he might be now. now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, Asian um, bitch sometimes. Well, he went out there and did the whole like some uh, triathlon where you swim, like you start on Alcatraz oh, and you swim oh, across yeah. the bay. Escape from Alcatraz. Yeah, no, kind <laughs> of. Yeah. So we went out there yeah. and stayed with uh, one of his his friends out there because we went out to go support him and go see it and Sadie and I went and so basically he's a a real I think successful lawyer and then his wife is a successful like doctor like cardiologist very successful people make a lot of money Mm -hmm. and it's like you guys have a really nice little house here (laughs) what (laughs) is happening here like can I just ask you how much this is what you choose this like that's uh do you know what you can get in mississippi man well uh, i'm just kidding yeah. i mean we've gone down that road yeah, yeah. So we'll probably be talking it about it was that pretty shocking though actually Possibly. it was a really nice place but it was just uh, talking to him the, the 
uh, Brian the Scott's lawyer, friend, uh, yeah, the yeah, lawyer, lawyer, just about where they had to live and what kind of house they wanted and how that, you know, how that all broke down. She's like, it's so expensive and it's so difficult to live out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends out there now still um, that do a lot of like shared living where they get into like the, the, the I don't know what they're called. Communes? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's pretty, <laughs> pretty much what much. they are. And it's like, oh my gosh, they just share this big warehouse space. That's where they live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's how they can afford it. And it's crazy. They could it's do crazy. that with shipping containers. They absolutely could. If you could find land and well, space to do that yeah, out there, I mean, it's, it's tough. Yeah. Logistically, that's a little more difficult for sure. So talk to us about the mortgage game. What's yeah. going on in the mortgage game right now? What are you guys doing? Right now, what's exciting? Uh, you know, refinancing is going like gangbusters right now. You know, for people who bought homes like a year or two years ago, mm-hmm. interest rates are definitely lower than they were back then. Mm-hmm. So Had a Fed cut, what, end of October? Well, so sort of. You know, when the Fed cuts interest rates, actually cutting the short-term right. rate, which is the credit card rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it... it doesn't necessarily affect mortgage rates. And in this case, it affected it for like 37 minutes. Right. And then it went back. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. interest rates were definitely a little bit lower in September. They've gone a tiny bit higher, but they've been relatively stable the second half of this year. Still crazy low. Very low. And and all of the forecasts say that they're going to be relatively this level for the next year. So 2020 is going to have some good interest rates. but yeah, lots of refinancing right now. It's the season for it and the rates mm-hmm. for it. You know, we're starting to see ramp ups with purchases for next year already. But yeah, but refinancing is the game right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, I'm one of my many talents that I do. As I cartwheels. I, I don't know. You haven't done a cartwheel in a while. Oh, okay. I, we'll get try one after this okay. is over. That'd be funny to watch. <laughs> no, <it wouldn't>. um, <laughs> I um I dabble in so many different things now. I think because. I get bored mm-hmm. more than anything, but I try to stay, I think part of it is trying to stay aware of everything that's happening around me all the time. And so my, you know, my background real quick, just so you know, Jen, is I started out um, business degree, jumped into real estate on the commercial side, um, got bored with that, moved into, um, actually kind of jumped from property management into getting in mm-hmm. business with him. Um, we started flipping homes and construction and then I decided I'll just do that full time. So I was a general contractor full time. We, you know, moved on from Bailey Custom Homes and built it up. And um then I got tired of people, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> I'm kidding, no one no one really believed that. Um but maybe a little bit. And I I I mean I'm getting older so my body's kind of breaking down a little bit. And so I decided, well what other things can I be doing that, you know, I like to do numbers. I like numbers a lot, I always like numbers and so I I trade options a lot during the day so in the mornings i'm in there it's not day trading but it's swing trading trading options it's how warren buffett made billions of dollars it's it's a very common thing and i'm not gonna get into what an option is right now but um so long story short i watch markets all the time i'm watching i got news on all the time i'm understanding what's happening with you know and we're in the real estate business too and um, understanding what's going on with that and so watching where banks are right now, watching what the Fed is doing and what their talk is with inflation, you know, just all the, all the, and you guys see it every day, every five minutes, how, how this is, all the things that are setting up even from 12, 15 years ago, and it's kind of pushing back in on itself and what's going to happen. And so, you know, you're talking about the whole next year being, you know, pretty, you know, quiet as far as rates go and kind of business as usual. But where do you think, 
it's gonna go in the next couple of years. I mean, are you are you guys sitting there watching? I know you're not gonna get doom and gloom, but um, there's gotta be a change at some point. I mean, we can't continue to ride this train much longer. What do you think? Yeah, you know, there's definitely some mixed economic opinions out there mm-hmm. on what things are gonna have to happen. Um, you know, rates are very low right now. You know, right. people come to me and say, oh, I want a 3% rate or I want less than 3%. And my answer to that is, no, you don't, because right. you don't want the market conditions that would make that possible. Correct. Like, there's a cost of borrowing money. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to lend money to somebody, you're not going to just do it for free or for very little. You're going to want some return on it. Right. Banks do, too, and that's reasonable. Um, at some point, it can't stay this low. Right. You know, the fact that it's been this low for this long is is pretty miraculous and and to think that it's going to be this low for another year you know what it really does is put a whole lot of cash on the market and Mm -hmm. and it it's going to drive up real estate prices even more you know Mm so so yes there there is kind of a a bigger thing there they're going to have to go up at some point and it'll be interesting to see who actually makes that decision right to to make it happen because nobody's going to like it but it's not sustainable i mean the economy would implode if it stayed here forever. Absolutely, which is what happened before. And, and it, it's a cyclical business for sure. And it needs to be cyclical for a reason. I mean, you have to ride what's changing in the environment of finance. You get to see it, you know, mm-hmm. very, very, uh, I would say very directly as far as like a certain product goes. Mm-hmm. But we'll get into what products we're kind of trying to figure out, putting it back on the alternative construction you know, market. For the average listener... Um, this stuff is very confusing. It's very confusing. Yeah, you know, so, and overwhelming. So just so you know, I'm in finance and banking as well. That's my day job. I work for Santander, uh, which is, well, it's the third largest bank in the world out of Spain. Um, and I oversee their business platform here in Colorado. So I'm like their uh, portfolio manager, which is 99% consist of auto finance here. Um, and it's even within the industry. So let's say I'm sitting with the finance director or a GM at, at, a, at a dealership, people that have been doing this for 30 years, they, have, they still are so confused on how money is lent, what banks are doing with their money afterwards, how securitization works, um, um, the strategy, not only on underwriting and pricing, um, and building scorecards and all these kind of things. <clears throat> But also the strategy behind how to manage that money as a bank, you know, so uh, for a quick example, if you go and if, if this room went in and bought, we all finance three cars. Mm-hmm. That guy. Jesus. Yeah. This is what happens when you run late, <laughs> you know, just your world just slowly starts <laughs> falling apart. You know what? We'll push pause for you. We'll wait for you. No, 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 no. Just hold on. No, I don't want that. That's my work phone. No, I want that. Uh, okay. Um, but what I was going to say is that the three of us all bought a um, car, mm-hmm. right? And this, for easy math, let's say it was a $10,000 car. And that bank would say, okay, you know, uh, a 5% rate for you, a 10% rate for you, um, a 12% rate for me, right? So the rate at that point is just one product of evaluating risk. For that person, mm-hmm. um, stip strategy meaning like, how am I going to vet this customer? Right. So really, all that's happening in this moment is that we all walked into a car dealership and we didn't have cash to mm-hmm. buy a car. So a bank is going to buy that car for you, 
right? And with some sort of agreement for uh, a, some interest, you're going to make payments back to them. They'll make a little bit of money on top of that. But to the dealership at that moment, it's just a cash deal, right? Right. They get paid. No They're just going to get a check and it's paid, yep. right? The car is sold. We bought it for him. Like Shane didn't save up money. I got it. I'll buy Shane's car for him. But what happens after that is really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is some of what got us in trouble in 2008 with these subprime um, mortgages. Uh, lenders, most of them, will put these loans, will group them all together, and will put them in a bucket, mm-hmm. a bag. And we'll say, here is uh, $110,000 loans. Um, and then they will hold on to those loans for six months, four months, two years, okay, like static pools. We put them in these pools, we see how they perform, right? And the ones that are performing, they'll turn around and they will sell those loans to another bank, a private capital firm, for whatever reason, right? So that's securitization. And they'll say, okay, these loans are great, they have good interest, they're they're paying, I'm gonna give you 90 cents to the dollar for these things, right? So. Now it's a million dollar portfolio, right? A hundred ten thousand dollar loans. I do that math, mm-hmm. right? Sure. I'm in banking. Yep. Somebody check. <laughs> okay, and then they'll say, so here, lender number one is nine hundred thousand dollars. That's ninety cents of the dollar on a million bucks. That lender got to collect payments for, let's say, that they held on to it for a year, collect payments for one year, right? So those are all the receivables. They get that interest as well, and then the. The idea is that you recapitalize yourself so we can go loan Shane money again, right? right? And that hopefully you've you've taken off the top. The leverage goes down. Now right. I'm, 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 cash, I'm cash heavy again. I can go make more money. That's yeah. right. And so now I can go back in and buy another person's car who didn't save up money. Right? And this is all very, very normal, by the way. People think, oh, this is what got us in trouble. This is not what got us in trouble not specifically. Not that aspect of it, no. Right? So... This is a way banks stay liquid. This is the way banks recapitalize so they can lend money. And we want banks to lend money. Otherwise, we'd all be trying to save up cash, and that's really difficult. Okay, so this happens also in the mortgage industry where this game and people are trying to figure out. So when we talk about markets and we talk about all this stuff, it typically is because this is important because... Unless you're going to save up $400,000 to buy a house, you're going to need a bank to lend money. Right. And you're going to want them to lend money to you in a way that is not detrimental to the overall market. And a lot of times, the way that first point of like lending money happens is not based on what that bank wants to do. It's based on what the next bank is willing to do for that bank, if that makes any sense. So, for example, you got to have your securitizers or other people that want to, to buy those loans later. And they are usually the ones that set the market. They'll say, hey, look, uh, I don't want anything over 40% debt to income. I, don't want, I want the payment to income to be XYZ. I want these people to be working this amount of time, right? And if you meet all those requirements and you get a bunch of those, I will give you 98 cents to the dollar. Right, and then now you have a place to sell this loan later and recapitalize yourself so you can give Shane another mortgage. 
even what I just went through real quickly is I think real complicated to people and it's easy for us to get stuck sometimes on like what interest rates are. Right. That's right? why they come to Jen they say, oh, yeah. I want it less than 3%. And that's kind of why I wanted to do that yeah. is because this is very typical for the consumer to say, well, I want a 2% rate. Like, hold on a minute. <laughs> I want you to understand what that means and right. what's going on. And I want to be able to explain to you that it's probably okay that you have a higher interest rate a little bit as long as it's within your budget and you can afford it. Because what that would mean is dot, dot, dot. And most people are like, whoa, I don't, I don't really. So with that kind of setup, my question for you is how difficult in your job when you're giving people mortgages to get them to be okay with or explain what the interest rate or the loan you're giving them. Like talk about the customer interaction between your very robust understanding of what's going on to somebody who is just a manager at a marketing firm trying to buy a house like it's the gap is so big sometimes like how do you deal with explaining to people the market or do you just like you just give it to them like hey man this is what it is. <laughs> just take your loan this is me. what it is shut up and sign this um you know I, I typically don't get people truly trying to understand the market. You know, people want to get the lowest interest rate they can get, and they will shop me against other lenders to mm -hmm. do it. I think sometimes when people are shopping, they just shop on rate mm -hmm. and don't think about kind of the larger implications, you know, especially if you're going to go to one of like the internet banks at right. this point because there's a lot of them they advertise on the radio all the time mm -hmm. and they hear, oh my gosh, 3.5% interest rate. But so, so when they're shopping and they say, well, I want that same interest rate, they're not looking at the total package. So um, what I try to do is to educate my clients on what different banks are calling different costs. Yes. So they'll say there's no discount points, but here's this origination fee. Well, they're not materially different. They're, we can look at the costs associated with your loan. Um, you know, and a lot of times when you're hearing banks advertise things like that, they can't provide the level of service that you need. They can't right. help you figure out what the best mm -hmm. loan is going to be for you. They can't close your loan on time. Mm -hmm. You might get three quarters of the way through and find out you don't qualify for your loan. Yeah. And now you're out. I mean, if you're trying to buy a home that leaves you in the lurch. Right. As a realtor, on you know, you've seen the other end of that. That's yeah. that's a huge kick in the you know what if you get to that point you're like well, we i'm sorry guys we gotta start over this you can't we can't yeah. even do this we gotta get out yeah so you know i think in terms of like what people are really asking me about mm -hmm. i think that that's what they're wanting to know they hear things on the radio and they want to know if i can match it yeah. um you know the other piece that i really try to educate my clients on is your interest rate is only one aspect of what you're paying for your house and if you really want to pay the lowest amount of interest over time there's better ways to do that than just fighting over an interest rate. You can pay down your principal right. quicker. You know, you don't have to just pay your mortgage payment. You could add in a little extra if you make one extra mortgage payment a year. I mean, mm -hmm. imagine what that does to paying off your loan, you know, six, seven years early. Yeah. Plus, you know, you're paying less interest over time doing mm -hmm. that than fighting to get a mm -hmm. point, you know, yeah. three, right. seven, five lower and interest rate. And rolling over 30 so. years, you know, how yeah. much are you really, you know, if you're, if you're if you're able to, and that's the thing I think with a lot of lenders is making sure that, you know, here's what you qualify for, but do you want to be at the max payment yeah. for what you can make? Or here's your other option. Let's not quiver over, you know, what the interest rate is. If you're comfortable making this payment and you have money still set aside, which I try to harp on people is like, make sure you have money being put away for savings. Then you're right. Absolutely. Make an extra payment a year. Choose to pay extra. Yeah. And that extra payment. So 
I, I, I actually don't think a lot of the, the normal consumer understands this. Maybe you can speak on this. If you have a mortgage payment of 1500 bucks, sure. and you send them every single month $2,000, mm-hmm. right? That extra 500 is treated different? It goes to pay down your principal. That's right. mm-hmm. So it doesn't make your payment on a monthly basis less. It's going to still right. be $1,500 until your loan's paid off, but mm-hmm. your loan gets paid off quicker. But the bank will look at that and say, oh, they've sent us an extra $500. We'll apply the $500 directly to principal. Correct. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I think a lot of people think that they're just, I think they understand I'm giving the bank more money each Mm -hmm. single month, but it's not, it's not, it's not treated exactly the same as, you know, the money within your $1,500 mortgage payment. Yeah. Which some of it goes to interest and some goes to principal, especially in the beginning, more of it goes to interest. Right. If you can pay down your principal more in the beginning, that would be great. Yes. Yeah. Um, The other thing, now I have to remember what I was going to say. My... (laughs) Oh, we'll my, do that. Uh, Jen, Jen is fighting off some wicked cars. <laughs> I know, though. my poor sinuses yeah. make my brain not function brain. as I, well. I've been there, trust me. Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to come back to me on this That's one. okay. No, okay. so I, I, I'd follow up with that saying, I think as far as like offering service as a lender, one of the things I think would be really good to do, and I don't think it'd be overly complicated, and I ask your guys' opinion too, is... is and I'm sure you do this on some level, is sitting down and showing them an amortization schedule. Absolutely. And watch what happens to that interest as you get to year 15, year 16 mm-hmm. of a 30-year mortgage. The payment's still the same, but watch how all of a sudden that principal now becomes a heavier uh, aspect of the payment and the interest now is, is getting less and less. Okay. And so showing them that and then going and saying, all right, so if we're gonna throw another 500 bucks at that mm-hmm. payment for principal, Watch how, how much faster this is reduced because it's funny and, and you've seen this in the car business too when you when you set down those documents and it says here's what you're paying for the home or the car mm-hmm. and here's your rate and, and it breaks down the simple you know here's your payment per month um, and here's what after 30 years or five years for the how car much or whatever you would pay on it here's what you're actually paying and that number if it's a four hundred thousand dollar house over 30 years is so astronomical I've had clients sitting at the table. And literally start having a panic attack. Like, no, 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 I'm paying four hundred thousand for the house. This says five fifty two. Yeah. I know, it's a lot of interest. <laughs> I know. Over thirty yeah. years, you gotta think yeah. about that. But yeah. then the first thing I say is, and this is kind of the going along with that amortization schedule, saying, one, you can pay this down faster by, you know, whatever payment per month or per year or whatever you're gonna do to knock down that principal heavy. And two, are you gonna live in this house for thirty years? Right. Most people are not going yeah, to do a that. A house is seven, eight years max for yeah, most people. This is an so. investment. You are not going to pay the full on the interest. You're going to get that money back plus whatever else you make on the appreciable value of the home. And you're going to take that cash that you just you just literally made money mm-hmm. by living somewhere. And you're going to apply it to another house. Yeah. So take a breath. And so I think some of those simple procedures like up front, like a scenario, I think... because. I mean, people, it's, you're right, it's very complicated, it's an overwhelming, we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. it's probably for most people the biggest investment they'll ever make as far 100%. as numbers go. Yeah. Um, and as Unless we get someone's into out it, there buying a boat or a plane. Or investing. Don't buy a boat. That is like yeah. literally sinking your money. I mean. Yeah, I was going to say, buy a plane share. If you're going to buy a plane, <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't yeah, buy yeah, a plane. As a matter of fact, we could probably give you good advice on buying planes. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but 100%, 100% this is what people mm-hmm. work for, save their money up for. 
is for that home. It's the right? American dream. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's yeah. cheesy to say that, but it really, it really is. And that's well, it's such a huge part of our culture. Yeah. Our culture is. is all the way back from like the fifties with the birth, kind of this like construction boom with the middle class and everybody coming back from war. It was mm -hmm. a build, 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 give everybody a home. You know, this was kind of like the epicenter of, um, a lot of this and that was so woven into the fabric of what our culture was was you go you work hard you save your money and you get a house and there you go right you've mm -hmm. done it right and now I think over time especially in the in the 90s and certainly into the early 2000s I think you know it really became well, hold on a sec if this is an appreciating asset then there are all these additional business opportunities and I think it, I don't know when the switch happened it like, you think about even us growing up, and Jen, I don't know how old you are, but I kind of did the math. You a lot you were younger 15, than us. And, and then you were 24 in the early 2000s. <laughs> okay, okay, she's one of us. Yes. Um, no, but she looks a lot younger than you, just, especially. I mean, I think about 41, you know, on my second home that, I've, that I owned. Um, and I took a little hiatus. You, yeah, yeah, more than a little. In the, yeah, yeah and got into the rental trap for a mm -hmm. while, um, trying to just figure out what to do. I have friends that are on home four, right, four or you know? five, and yeah. it's just like. But do you think about your family, and uh, most of us at our age in the forties uh, can think. I'm not implying you are. I haven't quite done the math. Um, you look <laughs> like you're twenty. I am also forty-one. <laughs> yeah. um, but my parents are still in their home. Everybody in my parents' neighborhood are still in their homes. Yeah, that generation was quite different. Very different. And yeah. now it's kind of like you buy a house to get into the next house. It's almost like it's become part. The process more is, dude, you need to get into a house so that way you can make a little money and sell it and then put that down well, on a bigger house. I think it's like house. changing jobs all the time. You it make is. more money if you change jobs every mm -hmm. yep. three, four years. Yep. In the long run, you'll do the same thing if you buy a house and then buy yeah, the next house and maybe turn that one into an investment property and right. buy the next yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. I think there's an argument on both sides that it's both good and bad, right? I think that exactly what you just described can be good, right? There's a lot of people who, I don't hate to use this term, but play the game, right? Where they buy, they buy the right house, they build the equity, they either take the equity out, use it on something else, another investment property. That for that individual person, it's good, but I think there could be a healthy debate on whether or not that is good overall. Mm -hmm. That that is how, you know, home ownership is treated, um, or if it's necessary. Uh, but well, for the I would say for the the normal person, mm -hmm. there's two ways to build wealth here: real estate. And the stock market. And I mean the normal person, not like a professional athlete mm -hmm. where you can get 10 to $20 million a year. Mm -hmm. um, there's I don't anomalies. even know if a normal person can make money in the stock market. <laughs> you, you can. You, you, no, it, it, long term. If, if you bought Amazon. Well, yeah. but there's always, sure. there's always, there's always the next there's, one. There's always yeah. the next one. And, and even that stuff, if you're just adding a little bit year over year and buying into that, historically, the stock market has done what? It's done nothing but up. Yeah. Real estate has gone nothing but up. You can't go out and buy a ten thousand dollar house mm -hmm. over here anymore. Yeah, it doesn't exist. And you know what's crazy? I just heard. Um, I can't remember what the number was, but it's something like eighty percent of the U.S. population is not invested in the stock market. So you're talking about like fifteen out of a hundred, twenty out of a hundred people are are putting money in the stock market. Which a lot of this is because people don't have the the resources to be able to. It's another have that confusing world. Just but it's like, another real confusing mm -hmm. one, and so 
um, you know, if you look at, I don't know if, do you know what like the percentage of home ownership is versus people not owning? I know better than I would. Um, or even could I you shake a stick stats. at it? I want to say like, I, I mean, I'm trying to remember what I saw, but I want to say like 60% of people 60% own, homes. own homes. So yeah. 40% of the population is, is not. renting. Right. So, you know, so this, it's, I would, this is kind of where I get with this is like, and we'll get into what we're trying to right. fix is that you just said that the best two ways to build wealth are the stock market and real estate and only 20% of people are putting money into the stock market I'll check and number, for yeah but no it's you're right it's the majority is not is not yeah. and then there's and still most people full, doing it almost in the stock half market the people are, aren't buying homes yeah well and most people doing it in the stock market are maybe just buying some mutual funds or whatever they're, they're not very conservative for, I mean everything that you do as far as your your job goes if you have an employer they're they're gonna most well, I'm not gonna go there but a lot of employers will offer you know investment programs right mm -hmm. and those are mutual fund um, 401k very, very, very conservative. You know, you're buying ETFs and, and bonds and stuff like that, and it grows very slowly. Yeah. But you have to understand. People don't understand what that really means. Is what what are they doing? Well, they're you have someone managing that fund, that mm -hmm. that program for you. That's daily doing the same thing that I would do or anyone else would do with with those markets. Is is you're moving numbers around, and that's mm -hmm. really what it is anymore. Is you're moving those numbers around to grow your wealth for retirement because. That's what you have to do. You have and that that's money why when you stop working. When the crash happened in 2008, 2009, people were like, wait, what? My 401k's gone? The you know, Bank um, of America's stock, ING's stock, um, who else was in that whole? They plummeted to zero. Yeah. Zero. So what happens to those, those, those funds and those programs? Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. It's, uh, but I just, I just find it interesting where, you know, the two, because first of all, I'll say the statement. I agree with what you said. Good. Like the two greatest ways yes. to grow wealth in the United States is to is through real estate or through stock market or a combination of. This both. is also why it's you know you hear the it takes money to make money kind yep. of thing, right? This is also why you hear a lot of the disparity between not disparity that's not the right word, but where they say you know um, this economy is really good if you're already in a really good spot. Right, and there's argument to say, well, maybe it's not really good if you're not in a really good spot. It's good for the people at top, but it's not necessarily showing signs that the economy is good for people that are not in the top 20% or whatever, right? That the people who already made money are making a lot more. But is that working its way all the way down? Uh, debate, by the way. I'm not necessarily saying yeah. I agree with that, but this is where, you know, when you go back now and you say, okay, work it backwards to everybody having a home or having good housing options. Mm -hmm. There's so much interconnectivity between what's going on, um, how you make your money, how you save for a house, what qualifies for you to buy a home. We've talked about a lot on this podcast that there are people who can't, like especially in Colorado or Northern California, right? Who, oh, you wouldn't qualify to be able to get a loan for a house yet, but somehow you're making an obscene <laughs> monthly rent payment. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, so like what is going on there? Have we really figured out how to lend money accurately to people so that way they can buy a home and get into this great way to build wealth? Right. Right. And I think I've had this conversation with a lot of my conservative buddies or colleagues, whatever, 
politically conservative or fiscally conservative fiscally conservative people uh, people with kind of in the banking and finance Mm -hmm. community and i've had this actual conversation just a few weeks ago where we were talking about real estate and we were talking about lending money and stuff and if you take the what you said which is one great way to build wealth is through real estate and that and then we kind of piggyback off our what we were talking about a second ago where if you can own a home for seven years, you take the equity, you kind of get going, you can buy investment mm-hmm. properties, and next thing you know, you have this money, and boom, you're on this fast track of gaining wealth, right? Um, which, if you put somebody in a situation where their house becomes an asset, and they get to make money, and then they either take that out, and they put it down in another house, this all sounds great for the economy. You're putting more money into people's pockets, right. where they go spend, and they go do stuff. So then we should be saying, we should try to find a way to give everybody into this system because it creates an immense amount of capital with within the people. Um, if you're renting, there is no equity being built that you can take out and go buy another house or put into the stock market well, and or they, whatever. They play off each other. The market, the stock market and the, and the real estate market will play off each other. I mean, that's the biggest factor anymore that runs this country financially. I mean, you think yeah. about it. If mortgages are, are backed by investors because they're being turned over and flipped, basically, as yeah. far as a loan package goes, mortgage-backed securities, we go back to the whole 2008 thing again, mm-hmm. that all has a transfer of ownership, air quotes, to a bunch of investors when the bank needs to be getting more liquid, right? right? They go sell it to a bunch of private guys that have a bunch of money to service the loan so they can move away from that package and go, go out and lend out more money. Well, where's that money coming from? It's from guys in the stock market. So, yeah. I guess my simple, no, totally. I guess I'm trying to think of how to frame my statement, but I think what I'm trying to say is visions of grandeur kind of lay out here. If everybody owned the house or apartment or condo they lived in, then everybody would be building equity and would be in that position. You know, I think the challenge, you know, especially when we're talking about some of these lower income folks that Mm -hmm. are living in these areas and they are making their rent payments, you know, if someone can make a rent payment and, you know, they they don't have any big blemishes on their credit, they they can get a loan. There are lots of loan programs out there. There's even down payment assistant programs. Mm -hmm. There are programs if somebody wants to put themselves on that path. I think the bigger challenge is that a lot of times... The, the clients we're talking about don't have great credit and mm-hmm. in fact have pretty poor credit in a lot mm-hmm. of instances. And banks do look at your credit history to determine your risk. Right. If you're not making your credit card payment or you're not making whatever other payments, mm-hmm. what chance do we think that you're going to make your mortgage payment? And mm-hmm. that is a huge risk to mm-hmm. a bank. So it, it's hard to say that the bank should lend to everybody because it's a business. It's right. not mm-hmm. a very good business decision to lend to someone you think won't, you know, that they'll default on their mortgage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, then I guess the next question is, should there be other funding sources? Or, I, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's also, no, no, it's very hard to say. Look, I'm very pro-bank. Like, I get how banks work. I'm, I'm a bank, mm-hmm. metaphorically. I work for sure. one, right? Um, and I spend a lot of times defending like, Hey, look, you didn't save up money. Mm-hmm. So we're going to buy it for you. Like think about what's actually happening. Yeah. Getting money lent to you is it's not amazing a right. that a bank does that. Yeah. It, it, it <laughs> yeah. is. And I've never even met you. 
Yeah. I'm just meeting you on a piece of paper. I don't even know if you actually work there yet, you know, but I'm willing to give you money and then you just kind of verify some things with me and I will just give you 400000 if you really think about it. How much it's easier that is compared crazy. to like going to your yeah. parents right. instead of the kid and saying, I'm going to borrow 20 bucks and they go, for, for what? Right. No. right, right. It's very crazy. But I will say that it is the layers going through, I, I believe, I believe we're at a time where we need to start unpeeling the layers a little bit. So for example, you talk about risk credit, right? Um, the credit reporting agencies and how credit is reported and what we've evaluate risk and I have a real simple example for this um, your credit report or your let me back up I'm sorry your credit score is when you borrow money is the, your score is literally based on two factors it is your um, desire to repay it when it matches your means to pay it right this is why we care about payment to income debt to income right so I was an 800 FICO when 2008 happened. I got laid off from a bank. But when I have no money, I had every desire to make my mortgage payment. But I had no means to be able to make it anymore. Yeah. So am I really a risk? Well, in a bank, bank's viewpoint, yes. At that point, you don't have the means to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. right? Um, but the borrowing money part, and this is where I think the mortgage industry is a little off, um, so when you talk about rent now, okay, your some rental places I report to the credit. Most don't. Most don't though, mm -hmm. right? So because you didn't borrow the money to do it, but if you're trying to figure out if you're a risk, if you're a mortgage lender, you're trying to figure out if someone is a high risk on your mortgage payment. Well, do I care if you're paying on your um, your um, school bills? Do I care if how well you're paying on your old Navy card? Right? I want to know if you're going to make your house payment. Right? That's ultimately what you're trying to figure out. The reason we care about all the other stuff is because we're trying to sift through on very limited information whether we should give you 400000 bucks for right. a, four, almost a half a million dollars. So we have to take something. But the fact that we're not reporting uh, your Rent payment. Rent payment really is one of the biggest, should be one of the biggest uh, factors in lending you money on a mortgage payment, right? So if you're willing to pay $2,000, and and I, and I say this because I'm a perfect example, right? So I was making a $2,500 rent payment for four years, rented a house for my family, right? Bam, on time, all the time paid early on every single one of them. So I have this amazing uh, history of paying responsibly on my home. And then, you know, I just bought a house. We go, through, should have gone through you. Didn't know you at the time, sorry. Um, <laughs> time. If I do it again, I'm hitting that you up. Awesome. Seven years, you're getting a phone call from the me. nightmare <laughs> of nightmares. Oh, yeah. Way. Oh, God. Yeah, we can could talk it, about that too. I'm not going to blast them, but that could have been worse. But I'm just sitting there like, this. Sh I'm exactly where you should be lending money, right? Yeah. I make good income, I have a good credit score, um, and they're like, well, but I'm also the sole provider financially for my entire family, right? I still have a young kid, wife is still stay at home. Wait, what happened to your other kid? 
Uh, no, she's fine. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one <laughs> young kid. Oh, well, she goes to school all day, I guess is my point. So she stay at home because we have one more young right. one. Okay, sorry. Um, but anyways, I, so how we report and how lenders view right now, we don't really take into consideration to lend we you don't. money on a home on your ability yeah. to pay rent. If you currently own a home, we take into account your ability to pay your current mortgage. But Correct. if you are currently renting, we don't, we don't take, take that, that into account at all. And it is, it is too bad. And uh, it's basically the same payment. Yeah. Except the difference is no one lent you money. That's the only difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing that is a detriment to society is that we don't educate people earlier. And, and when I say people, I really mean like all people mm-hmm. on the importance of making every single debt payment that you have on time. Yeah. Because I think, you know, especially before you get into wanting to buy a home and finding out how important your credit score is, you think, oh, well, maybe it's not a problem that I missed one payment on my old Navy. It's one payment. Well, that can have a huge hit mm-hmm. on your credit score. And yeah. I think that a lot of times people don't understand. And, and it doesn't go away for a really, really long it time. It takes a long time to update it, even if, you, if, there, if there wasn't even a mistake. I mean, it takes yeah. forever to get that updated. Yeah. So you could be waiting 30, 60, 90 days before that is gone off of that off that credit. Yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah. it's a weird system. I mean, it's complicated. It's also kind of strange. Um, well, a lot of people don't have any credit. If they don't right. have credit cards, they've never bought a house. First they... car loan I ever tried to do was the whole problem. Was like I, I, I actually had a pretty decent job. I was making money, and I just wanted to buy my first car. I went to like nine banks. Yeah, before you don't I have talked any credit. the guy Nobody's in the first bank, I can't remember his name, and he's like, okay. It was like a 9% interest rate. I'm like, I just, the same deal. Somebody has to lend me I'm money like, someone, to prove that I can Someone's got to give me that chance, or I'll never. He's like, well, yeah. get it, you know. Start with a credit card. I'm like, I have a credit card. Look, I, I even like... But you have to use it. I, I did. <laughs> I was ahead. like, I'll buy... A, I was buying yeah. gas with it. I was buying, you know, whatever. And it was like, you know, I'm trying to get somewhere with this. So much... I, I don't think we... I think so much of if you were going to... Let me rephrase how it is. If there was going to be reform in mortgage lending, I think a very heavy... I think it's weighted very heavy that before you even get to the banks that how credit is reported and what that looks like is a huge variable. I think there needs to be some reform in that, how it works. Um, I look at credit all the time. Every day I'm looking and evaluating credit. I've had 800 credit scores and after the recession I went all the way down to a 530. And I'm just like, what is happening, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you get in this weird system, it's like, well, kind of like what you were just describing. Well, sir, you have a 521 credit score, so we're going to deny you. Uh, but that is situational yeah. it's because I didn't have money, right? So because I didn't have the means to be, I had all the same desire. You know, 24-year-old Evan and 31-year-old Evan is the same person that wants to pay on his bills. The only difference was my means to be able to pay on it. But that means has now been fixed. I'm steadily employed. Like, well, this, you need to rebuild your credit. Well, yeah. can't you just look at my previous history and say when he had the means... He paid perfectly all the time, and now he has the means again. So I don't think this guy has realized in the time he didn't have the means that he just decided that he didn't want to pay things anymore. He's still the same person, but we don't look at credit like that. We say, now you have to rebuild it, right? And it's like, oh, gee, many Christmas. Well, the only reason it got destroyed wasn't because of my desire to pay. It was only the means. Right? So now you have to find extensions of credit. You have to go and take higher interest rates. 
So I guess my point is, we don't we look at it where you currently are, not trying to use credit as a way to evaluate the person. I don't think there's the right tools there yet to be able to do it. You should be able to, in that scenario to go back and say, well, this person was an 800 FICO and he had all these payments and he had credit cards and mortgages and he paid perfectly. Can we not deduce at that point that the reason his credit has dropped was because not his mental or uh, state or that he just didn't want to anymore or whatever it is, it's just because the means were taken away. And now if we can say, well, are the means still gone? No, they're there now. So we would assume he is going to be the same kind of credit worthy person. But it's kind of like what you said too. I see it all the time in the auto industry where somebody comes in, they've had a bad scenario and their means are taken away or whatever and their credit score plummets. That And that scenario- And you gotta find a bank to give them a loan. Yeah, and it's, and different, tough it's different for every rebuild. person, but I, I think part of it, and I don't know if you guys offer classes or you know whatever outside of like for you guys to get your continuing education, but it's um, for, for most people, I think understanding leverage and understanding debt and, and how fast, you know, especially this day and age, how fast you can get into a, a heap of debt, even if you're making 300 grand a year. I mean, I mean, you probably see it every day, how much credit card debt people walk in with because and, and there's there's an argument either way for like being cash heavy opposed to just you know never using um, never using a credit card or, or leveraging yourself in any way. Actually, Uncle Pete was the guy that um, claimed that if you didn't have cash for it, don't buy it. And that was his. I know deal. my husband says the same House, thing. House, cars, I'm, I'm pretty much the same way. Yeah. But but yeah. there's there's an argument either way yeah. for that. And I think the education has to be there for a lot of for everybody to understand what that really means. It's okay to run your credit card and get You points. have to use credit to have You have to, to build have credit. it, exactly. Right. I mean, the biggest advice I would give to somebody wanting to build their credit is use your credit card for things that you need to buy anyway, your groceries right. and your gas. Right. Let's just call it those two things yep. and pay it off every month. So in full. Yeah. In full, cool. every month. Like yeah. have an automatic payment for it, you know. Mm -hmm. it, obviously I would say maybe don't go on your spending sprees or whatever you're gonna do because then it would be more difficult for you to pay it off every month. But mm -hmm, if you can right. pay that bill off every month, don't make your minimum, mm -hmm. pay it completely, mm -hmm. you're gonna build your credit score faster than anything else. Yep. Yeah, yep. And you can get into trouble fall. if you don't. I mean, I, 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 I was, I've been the there. The interest rate on what you rack up is on what you carry over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If you so, pay it off every month, you're not paying any you're interest. You're not paying any interest. interest. I think so many people get that confused mm -hmm. too. It's like, whoa, whoa, it's this, no, no. It's zero percent. Oh yeah. As yeah. long as you return it within the, every single within time. that billing cycle. My within wife that was the same cycle, way. She right? she would if she did she you know use certain credit cards for points and all that mm -hmm. stuff. You can get all these amazing things if you if you use it you know including credit. But she would the next day go mm -hmm. in and get online and make that payment and, and freak out if she didn't do it the next day. And I was like, it's within the you billing cycle. You can do cycle. it once a month. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. We can, yeah. you can, we can, we can run it out 28 days and you can still yeah. pay it. So, But running your life on a credit card is also a great way to monitor your budget. Yes. Because you can really keep track. They keep track for you of what you're spending your money on. So you can say, oh my gosh, this month we went out to eat right. a lot. We need to cut that down from four times to three times right. this month. And That's we'll a save. really good bit of advice. I've never really thought about it like yes. that. Yes, because yeah. yes, a lot of them offer that. Yeah, if you use your credit card for three, let's say, anytime we go out to eat, we use the credit card. 
or anytime we go grocery shopping, we use the credit card, or anytime we get gas, we use the credit card. Yep. And if you only use it for that, it is a way to track your budget. Say, holy cow, what was our credit card bill this month? Right. 385 bucks. We spent 300, and if you're only using it for like food, then yeah. going out to dinner, like, or entertainment, like, oh my God, we're spending way too much on entertainment. Yeah. You, you can know. get fancy like my husband. He takes our credit card statement and downloads it into QuickBooks every month yep. and then gives me an itemized list you of what I spend on. Nerd alert. I do that every month. And at least twice a year, I try and do it more often. I should do it more often. But at least twice a year, I will run our budget out and say, oh, yeah. here's how much we spend every month. Here's how much we make every month. Mm-hmm. Some months, we are way upside down on whatever it is and why. And then... Yeah. Same thing. Did you need the extra box of whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And I do that with girl. I'm I'm the guilty one when we go grocery shopping. If I go with everyone, it's another hundred dollars just like that. Just because you're there. Yeah. (laughs) We should we should also make this a health initiative. What we should say that you only spend your your you only use your credit card on your vices. Oh, there you go. So and now now (laughs) yeah that should be a whole because. Right. Look, I don't drink that much. Use your credit card you only you'll for find when you're out. at the you liquor store. Yeah. yeah, you'll right? totally find so, out. What's this credit card for? My booze. And then you're like, what the fuck, man? I, is that really $780? <laughs> That's just for you. And then, then times that times 12 and figure out what a yearly or annual expense your habit is. So you. when you yeah. fill yeah. that yeah. out on your little whatever sheet yeah. and you go to see the doctor and it says how many times a week do you drink? Yeah. You now know, yeah, it's it's way more than you should be. Way more. or you're but you're spending too much. You're paying yeah. too much for whatever you're, you're buying. Like, oh, I don't smoke cigarettes that much. And yeah. I'm saying, like, whoa, wait a minute, <laughs> I smoke a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> um, it's a it's an eye opening experience. For well, sure. this is a good transition. Let's, yes, let's. Um, we always have this little segment, kind of, what are we up to, right? Yeah. From the time from podcast to podcast, mm-hmm. and this is why you're. It's very serendipitous you're here because this is kind of the stage we're in. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Um, Which is why I reached out to her, and then it flip, 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 and she's here before everybody else. And I do great. have some news to report to you I'm live excited. on air, even though we'll edit this and it won't be live to you guys. It'll be no. like a week later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are we up to right now? Uh, we are still working on the process of how to not only integrate alternative building, which is shipping t- container construction, but mm-hmm. to also create an alternative process to get people into homes that solve all these problems. So the last time we spoke, we kind of laid out how we are looking at blending the mobile home manufactured home process with shipping containers and having that transition transition into real property and what that would look like and what that would mean and what opportunities would be available. We've covered extensively how just redoing a double wide but doing it with shipping containers, all the benefits of that. Um, So where we're at now is we're trying to figure out all the players and pieces that would have to say, if you went to somebody and you just said, here is your two bedroom, one bath, two 40 foot shipping containers put together. Um, First of all, who is building that? Right. Um, who is financing that? Yep. Who is? Where is the development going to be? How does the development look? Mm-hmm. Right. What kind of programs, like ancillary programs, are going to be involved during the window in which you are living in your at this point because you're renting land? It's still manufactured mm-hmm. and depreciating, right? Um, then who are the lenders that then mortgage that for them and based off of what criteria? Okay. 
So simple. Simple. Right? <laughs> Just a couple moving pieces. <laughs> One or two thousand. So we started looking at, well, first we had to make a decision whether or not we wanted to be the builder. Right. Right. I and think we came to the conclusion that we will not be. We will not be the builder. Yeah. We don't right? have the, we don't have, even if we did. We don't have the infrastructure. I don't know if we want to be in that position. Not, I think not if right we're away. in that position, we get so tied to that yes. position that yes. all the other things, this mic, man, I'm telling you, this you it's a... just, of course, this is my mic. We today. need to get another sponsor. <laughs> Three gas stations later, my mic's not working. I've dropped my phone. What is this guy? This guy here? He's tight. All right, maybe I just need to get a little bit more. Oh, actually, this is that bad. On your I'll be chest. honest, we just lean back a little bit more. Um, Video time. We decided we don't want to be the builder, right? Because then I think we kind of get so ingrained in being the builder that other parts of the process are. Well, I'd rather control other parts of the process it, than builder. It allows us to be in a more overall supervisory position, I guess, mm -hmm. for lack of a better word. Um, to yes, keep our hands free. You, I don't know what to tell you there. Maybe uh, yeah, just let, just <laughs> let me do my thing over here. We'll figure it out. So, um, so yeah, but 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 controlling like briefly. I you know I'm still working on God. I just buying time is a big deal. I mean it's a big deal. And literally, just like anything else, you're you're borrowing money. You're borrowing time. Um, everybody's got to pay bills. You know if someone would just give us money to work on this for the next year, it's like we Kanye, could Kanye West. Someone yeah. should just give me a billion dollars. Just give me a billion ideas. dollars. And you know what? And I'll they make probably it should have. Whoever well, is. they missed that uh, opportunity. But he's don't miss this opportunity. Time. I'm just saying. So, uh, <laughs> so it, uh, it allows us to oversee certain aspects of the problems with some of this construction. It's alternative. There's a, there's a huge benefit. That's why we're pushing it. But at the same time, there's certain things that haven't been solved yet. It allows us to be in control of those things, quality control, and then kind of run the literal business aspect of what needs to happen in order to create this, this new world of less expensive housing. So let me, let me lay out the dots real quick, because then we're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Okay? Fabulous. Be All ready. Right. I know you're so, dying over there. <laughs> this is not this, a lot of details being left out, but this is the idea to get everybody in kind of the space. So the idea is that, first of all, it starts with an affordable home, not a big one, just Think manufacturing. You're not getting a four thousand square foot. Right. This is this is different than that. So this is a shipping container home, um, two bedroom, one bath. You build it and you treat it just like you would a manufactured home. It's affordable. It's eighty grand. It's a hundred grand. Right. And we believe that we can build that or work with a builder to build it to where mm -hmm. there's profit in that. Right. And it's replicatable. We can kind of build it over and over again quickly. It then goes on to a um, what we think of as like a mobile home park, right? Except so the someone's not owning the land, they're leasing the land. They're leasing the, the land. Beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning, okay. right? Um, but you're doing this all in the way knowing that it ends in that shipping container home essentially transferring into real property. Um, manufactured homes in that classification um, for a lot of reasons don't. One of the reasons they don't or you can't get a mortgage on them is because the land isn't parceled out in a mobile home park. You're, you, the whole land is one plot. Someone's allowing you to put it on that land. So you would parcel out the land. So you're actually paying rent or on that parcel of land and 
repaying the loan back on the manufactured home. Mm. And at that point, it's depreciating, right? Um, but if you take here in Colorado, um, the price per square foot, what normal homes get, and because these aren't in a park, they're actually, it's, think of it more as like a street with a cul-de-sac. And you got, you're building a street with a cul-de-sac with all the houses around it, right? But you're leasing the land for 12, for, uh, for 12 months, okay? okay? So the thing that we found out is that a shipping container home has a slightly different classification, right? And this is one of the things we're working on is if you, sorry. So at this point, you're taking your shipping container home. You are paying on the shipping container home. Jesus, this thing. Yeah, please help me, help me. You might have, this might be one of those edit breaks. No, it's fine. Yeah? I don't know what you did here. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing all the time. Is it? Okay, yeah, sure. I just clapped myself on this one. Okay, sorry. I'm drawing this it's... out too long. Okay, so you. I'm falling asleep, go. So you, you're renting your land, your sub your your plot you're paying off on the shipping container but because it's a shipping container and it's fixed in place that is uh or can be real property if you go out and just buy a lot yourself and you build this beautiful home made of shipping containers that's a home per fannie mm -hmm. mae that's a house correct yeah right so by making it this allows you to be able to take that home and if mortgaged Right, which includes the land, then it's real property. So the idea is pretty simple. The idea is to say, look, take the manufactured home community by switching out with a shipping container and creating a proof of payment process. Right at the, at a certain point, twelve months later, report to the credit bureau. Right, twelve months later, um, by making returning your payment on your shipping container home, uh, that house now in theory is $300 a square foot. So now you go to the lender and you say, hey, look, I have John Doe here. John Doe has been making a $700 month rent payment and land payment on this thing, right? Well, yeah, and yeah. mortgage slash land lease payment. I mean, right. It's kind of- And now we're at 40% loan to value. Right. If this was a home, a real property, right? So if this was considered real property, it's now at 40% loan to value because it should be worth $190,000. Just like we were talking about before we started is the, the whole comp issue. Yeah, having yeah. comps. Mm -hmm. So now instead of just selling a house at 70,000, the fact that they're renting a shipping container home, not renting, they're renting the, the land, land it's on, making payments on the shipping container, container. home, right? Um, you're using the comps in your favor, and you're also not destroying the comps by selling $70,000 houses. Right. You're now saying, well, look, if this neighborhood, which was all renting the actual physical shipping container, sorry, the land, and making payments on the physical shipping container, if it was real property, well, what's the price per square foot in this neighborhood? It's X, well, my God, that is so much more than what this person actually owes on it, which puts the bank in a good position. Yeah. They say, well, Okay, well, if I was to mortgage this, and what would the mortgage be? I just need you to pay off the lender, which would be seventy, eighty thousand dollars for the shipping container, and I need you to give me the money for the the land, which I'm already on, which is already parceled out, 
right? So I need 85,000. Well, this thing's worth 190 if it was real property. So therefore, I don't need to know that much more about you. I'm in such a good position at the bank. You've helped reestablish credit because they're actually paying on the shipping container, right? Which is reporting. So you got 12 yeah. months of that reporting. Yep. And I think if you can make, you've already proven me, you can make this $800 payment, right? Which is part of the biggest risk. So, but it does fly in the face a little bit of conventional of mortgage traditional lending. lending. Yes. Right. So what we decided to do is I used to sell auto finance portfolios uh, to banks um, in the millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions. And the way they look at it, they don't look at it that way. They look at it different. They say, what position am I am in this group of loans or in this car, right? Mm -hmm. So we're at 80% loan to value. The guy has made six straight payments. Um, I'm then going to buy it at a discount also, right? 90 cents. So for this $10,000 loan, I will 90,000 or 9,000 bucks is what I'll pay for it. And I got a 10%. So if it goes bad, you know, they have their, their calculations, but they're different. They don't pull credit. They don't do all that. They just want to know you're making payments on the car and that they're in a good position. So I went around and started calling these banks and saying, can you do mortgages? And I basically said, what happens? And I've sold these banks hundreds of millions of dollars worth of auto loans. And I said, what if I had a million dollar portfolio, it's seasoned 12 months, right? And um, you're only at 40% loan to value. I'm like, whoa, do you have that portfolio? I mean, dude, we'd probably pay like a dollar five for that. How about this? How about just give me a dollar? Evan, we'd give you a dollar five for something. And obviously we got to see this portfolio. And I was like, well, just in theory, what right. would you yeah. give me? And I was like, because then I can potentially pass that 5% that they would give me. I could either use that as my profit for doing it, or I can roll that back to the consumer in some sort of program, right? And then I told them, by the way, this is essentially a trailer. And they're like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute, hold on a minute. I was like, no, no, they do RVs and trailers and stuff like that too. But, but, yeah. but the difference being that it's not. It's not, it's not a mobile home. You can't right. pick it up and move it. You, I, mean, I mean, you can. Technically, but, but it's not. It's a, it's a tangible asset. It's going to be real it's, property. It's sitting on a foundation. Most mobile home manufactured homes are now. Not, Through yeah. our research, like 90-some percent get put in place and never move. They never move. Right? But they have the quick ability, um, like liquid ability, mm -hmm. to get up and go somewhere if needed. And that that is that land is not plotted, like you were saying. Yeah. So the difference is, like we were talking about before, we started was yeah, this is a brand new product um conventionally you'd pass that paper across the table and like well this doesn't work and this is why but that's okay because that isn't this product it's yeah this is this something one. completely we're new. selling you yeah. something brand new and the reason for this is all the things we just briefed on is you know affordable housing um cost of construction especially you know it varies state to state and we've had that argument when we we're on the mill podcast and it was you know, building it here versus there, it should be the same cost, but the variables being uh, cost of living, land value, all of that stuff. So there's there's some variable, but but the overall number wrapped in at the end of this is going to be something that we can bring a lot more people in and, and offer them the chance to own property. How yes. does the lending work? So step one would be on the first 12 months, 18 months, whatever that program is, it's not gonna be with a bank. It's going yeah, to be with a private investor. Right. 
And the, the benefit is one, they get to put their money somewhere and it's for a quick turnaround kind of deal. It's a basically a construction loan. It will be a payoff in 12 months. It's a, t- a construction loan type of duration, 12, 18 months, and then they get paid. Yeah. Well, and here's the other big benefit of this. We talked about like there needs to be reform in the credit process. There needs to be reform in a little bit in the lending process. The, the, the big reform in this little setup is that initial lender who is going to give the payment right. for the shipping container home. Right. And that person, if not a traditional lender, can kind of create new rules. Right. So like, let's say it was the Bank of Evan Bailey and I went to you and I said, "Okay, my underwriting is different. I'm only going to hold on to this loan for 12 months. Okay, Uh, because eventually the whole idea is the program is that it transfers into a mortgage. Right. So. I need proof of residential payment, right? Show me either through bank statements or through your property management company that you have been able to pay rent on something. And especially if it's rent that's higher. So if you show me you've been in your property for two years, paying $1,500 a month fairly consistently, I'm already feeling good on a $700 payment for the shipping container. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, just show me that your, your means are good, right? So show me that you've been employed. I'm not as concerned about the amount of money you're making because whatever it is, you've been able to successfully pay 1500, right? right? So I just want to see that your, your means are consistent. So if you're working, whether that is checking out groceries, whether that is working in a meat packing facility or that you're a mailman or a fireman or a teacher jobs? Are right because you because i'm just waiting for the time you get bored and like, i'm gonna try i'm gonna try mailman for a little I'll, while i'm gonna be a janitor now but if you just take the very basic idea of risk and credit and what it is if your means are there and your desire to pay on something is there right if i can sh- see that your means are there you're steadily employed mm-hmm. that you're successful to be able to pay a rent on a higher amount, I'm going to give you a shipping container. I'm going to give you one, right? Because one, um, that's probably all I care about at that point is your ability to pay on that. Two, I'm only going to be exposed on this for 12 months, right? Because then it's going to transfer hopefully into a mortgage as long as you're successful making those payments, right? Um, But I'm just going to give you one. There, there's your house, right? You didn't have to save up for it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to loan the money. The builder at that point, there's markup in that. The builder says, I'm more than happy to build this person a house because it cost me 65 through, you know, that's a whole big puzzle piece, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're getting able to do that. that. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, or the maybe there are a hundred and the builder can do it for 70, but he can do it at 10, 10 times in a row, right? So he can make 30,000 right. 10 times. So he's going to use volume because it's, you know, um, but that, that's the first part. We're trying to create a situation where we'll take that risk. It's hard to innovate the mortgage industry as it's so complex and all this stuff. But if I can create if a you scenario. If can prove it's real property and somebody can pay on it, then that's mortgage right. banks will say yes. Yeah. The, the one question I have is, have you Bye. done research into, let's call it the mobile home park? client mm-hmm. to say that they do fit that bill like are people keeping jobs for two years are they yeah. making rent payments on time i just don't know how many people so here's here's qualify under great question no great question first two caveats one um this we have to 
we have to detach from what our perceptions are of the mobile home. Because mm-hmm. right now yeah. that is, um, this would be different, right? Because this transfers into more. This would ne- this wouldn't necessarily just be the financially disenfranchised people. This would be teachers. This would be policemen. This would okay, be okay. So we're not talking about who would normally live in a mobile home. We're just talking about affordable housing. But I think for it could still apply out. to those people. It could people. also it, be people. hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes yeah. Sense. yeah. If you're if you're living in Denver and you're making thirty thousand dollars a year, hey, good luck. This is going to be really tough for not you. If you're happen. just a second grade teacher, um, this is tough for you here. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, but yes, there. But here's this is why I think this is important um, to kind of in your question. The default rates currently right now in the mobile home community is, um, it's higher, obviously. One, the demographic that's buying them. Um, but two, they're, they don't get the benefit that most homeowners do, right? Uh, if I would lose my job now for any reason, I have equity in my house. I have some options. I can take some cash out. I can borrow against it. I can sell, sell my home, cash out, and go put that down and make some rent to uh, uh, use. You know, take that money, pocket, save it, um, move into an apartment. I have options. But when you're already in a manufactured mobile home and it's a depreciating asset, you lose that. There is none of that option. So if you're making a payment, like use me from the previous example of being an 800 FICO, but I lost my means, right? Um, I actually got out of that because I sold sold that house, right? So when I got laid off and um, and (laughs) I was working for a subprime auto finance lender at the time, in 2008, I got laid off, and I'm like, okay, I'm screwed, right? <laughs> this, there is no, first of all, that is blowing up. There is nobody hiring for that. Uh, and there's a wealth of talent out on the market for anyone who is hiring. So s- flopping industries and saying, I know I'm not in your industry, but you should hire me. Well, we got all these people we can hire from this industry, right? So I was screwed, basically. Um, but I had my house, and I sold it. And that allowed me Game breathing time. room Buying and time. all this stuff, right? Yeah. That doesn't exist for the current structure of mobile home and manufacturing right. home. They lose their job. They lose their means to be able to pay on it. And they have this depreciating asset. They can't sell it. They can't do anything with it. They can't pay to move it somewhere. They're just stuck. So the default is to default. Just walk right? away. They just walk Nothing's, away from there's it. There's no recourse on either end, really. No. Yeah. So that's one of the major reasons. So like in the auto industry, the number, uh, the two top reasons people don't make their car payment is because the car breaks down, right? So, hey, look, I, if I have to spend 1500 fixing this thing, I'm probably not going to make my payment, yeah. right? Because I got to fix it to get to work, right? So that's why there's warranties. But the number two reason is loss of income, right? Um, which are, is actually part of what we want to build into this program. Yeah. Is so... So right now, to kind of say, is that the demographic? It's exactly the right question, but um, they don't perform well, but it's partially because it starts off as a manufactured home and has nowhere to go. Right. It stays a manufactured home. It stays in that process, and people just get, when they lose their means, they walk away from it because there's nothing they can do with it. It just becomes this um, liability. It And it starts a liability it and remains a liability forever. Yeah. Right. And it's just easier to, to walk away. And, and there's a lot of people in, 
in that demographic, I'm gonna call it demographic, it's probably not the right word, but there's a lot of people in that situation. Income category. That just decide I'm done being here right. and I've got a better option or a different option and they literally just leave and there's, because there's nothing they can do with it. Right, there's nothing they can do with so it. So it's not just because you've got a bunch of people that are dirt poor and they have nothing at all and they just run out of money. It's, there's so many different situations because really it's the fact of the product that they're in has there's no there's no attainable value to it and there's no and like I said there's no recourse on the other end so the easiest thing to do is pack up and get out. So in this process that addresses that right look for one year it's technically a manufactured home you're renting on the land you're making a payment on the physical structure which was brought in it's but, a modified product of that yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, the idea is the same, kind of but you know that this is going to, you're, if, if you can show payment, right. And also those 12 months, you're going to be reporting the bureau. So it's also going to be helping your credit mm -hmm. score by the end of that 12 months, which you should be able to get there because you've been paying a higher rent for longer. Right. So this should work out. Um, we have lenders at the back end that are like, give them to me. We love it. Ready for it. Yeah. Right. We're ready yeah. for it because hell, we're going to lend you 80 grand on something that's a $200,000 home. It's a house. Right. Right. So we're in a great responsible lending position. They're waiting for you there. So there's yeah. a little bit of a difference um, in that setup. Also during that time um, that we, that they're in the 12 month window, um, one of the other things I did um, is I created what I helped work on, kind of create, uh, what's called a vehicle return program. So um, this was started off as Hyundai Assurance way back in the day, where if, you know, when the crash came, Hyundai came out and they said, look, we have a program where if you lose your job in the first year that you own the car, just bring it back. Right? And I won't get into how it all works, but it works. And it's very simple math. It's very simple underwriting. It makes sense. Um, we can now do that. So that's out in the market now. A lot of banks are carrying it and it's going to be a bigger, bigger and bigger thing, by the way. Um, we can do that on shipping containers, mm -hmm. right? So we can actually do this because they're technically during that time, um, they're manufactured home. They're mobile. They can be picked up. They can move. They can do all these kind of things. And the way it's underwritten now is that those, that policy to be able to pay off a loan in the event of loss of income or lose your job, uh, is works on RVs and trailers as well. So during that time, that's what it is because they don't own the land yet because they don't yeah. own the land yeah. yet. So at that point we can actually apply this to them, work it into the pricing. It's not terribly expensive. And we can say in the 12 months that we have lent you money on this house in the event you lost your job or income, we can actually still protect your credit because it pays off as a paid in full. Right. Yeah. Um, and you can get back on your feet and we can give you another one. So we can basically assure that the number one reason someone doesn't make a payment on a manufactured home, we can cover in that 12 months. That's right. Great. And then if something happens when it's a mortgage, well, it's a mortgage. It's yeah. You have all of it's this equity property. now yeah. and we can put these people almost by instantly at that point if everything yeah. runs correctly. So I guess it, with, in saying that, my question Let's throw questions at Jen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. First I of all, I can see a lot of young people really being attracted to this. Either yes. people who didn't go to college or did and graduated and may have to move back in with their parents. Yes. Like this is a yes. great alternative. Yes. It's a great look, 
you're basically and a great way to build equity. Yes. Great way to build equity. If you think about it in terms of college students, if you come right out of college, go live in this community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Under this program, and in one year, we're basically telling you there's a hundred thousand. Well, here in Colorado, there's a hundred thousand dollars of equity for you. You can right. take that out at that point if if you then went out and got a job. You're a young professional. And you could actually probably afford even more at that point after 12 months or maybe a little bit longer, or maybe two years into it, one year of the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Take that out and there. pay off your yeah. student loan Stay debt. Stay for a while. Right. Yeah. So, okay. I wanted to make sure we went through that, not only for the listeners, but for you as well. So okay. here we I go. think Jen's way smarter than we are, so she's got that figured okay. she's out. She's got <laughs> She's like, just, yeah. Well, then we'll no do worries. it for our dumb listeners. <laughs> All the dumb listeners now can figure this out, okay. too. So... Would a traditional mortgage lender, 12 months later, let's just, for, for this question, let's call them a 620 FICO, maybe somewhere between six and 700 FICO, right? Um, just for the fact that it would be equate to like a 40% loan to value. 12 months later, they've made all these payments. What would that look like? Would a mortgage lender at that point say, we're good, we're just going to lend you money, you don't need to put any down payment because you're at 40% loan to value, and we will give you a mortgage? So I, I obviously can't speak for all of the mortgage Speak directly banks. about your, no, no, your SWBC <laughs> is not going to be on the hook for my answer. I mean, <laughs> obviously I, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think that it that it is a great option both for the clients and, and for the bank and for all those different things. Um, the one thing that I think we would need to research a little bit more mm-hmm. is, you know, banks make decisions. We talked about the secondary mm-hmm. market based on whether Fannie Mae or mm-hmm. somebody would, would buy that loan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we would need to do some work to make sure that it would be considered a home. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if all of those, you know, ducks are in a row, I can't see any reason why they wouldn't. I yeah. mean, it, as long as it's not leased land, it's now owned land right. and, and the home is a permanent structure. There's no particular reason it's not a home. Mm-hmm. We, we have the comps and that Fannie solve Man, that other Fannie problem. Fannie classifies it as a home. Right. So then, right. yeah, I mean, I, and I think, you know, if, we, if we're talking somewhat, you know, lower FICO scores, we've got to look at and see about FHA approval and a lot mm-hmm. of these things, but you know, FHA mm-hmm. does loans. So right. we've got... You know, SWBC can do FHA loans. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering what, because you'd also the, the 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 mortgage lender would also have to assist them in buying the land that it's on too. Which, but I guess at that point, isn't that what it always is? Well, if it's, you were it's just kind of a, a it's kind of like a modified construction loan because you're basically in a construction loan scenario. You are being lent money to build the home. Now, depending on the situation, sometimes people already own the land. Um, there are situations where they, where they don't, and they have a separate loan that kind of converts to a conventional once the construction is done. That product is pretty tricky. And I've, I've run through that maybe once or twice with people, but the, yeah, that transfer aspect where they're, they're paying X for And the reason why they're not buying the land originally is to keep the cost down. And that's what we're trying to do is like, let that happen, let them build a payment. And then when it flips over to real property, that equity's there. The bank looks at it and says, okay, even if something terrible was to happen, we uh, the land. Th- you guys are on the good end of this situation. If they were to walk away, I can resell this whole thing now and there's money for us. We could actually walk away, make some money and yeah. now we can sell it again. So, Well, and the reason I say you'd have to do the land because... If I like, I I just bought a house. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I bought the land too. Right. So that happens. But the problem was it wasn't yeah. established. 
this isn't this isn't established already as together. Somebody was renting the land first, so technically, because there's a, there's a value that has to be established with that as well, and so you have to keep that value down. So I mean, part of the situation for like here in Colorado is value of land, and like we've been working on how many how many homes can we put on so many acres, right? Mm-hmm. How many you know we can subdivide them down to they're going to be smaller lots too. It's the, that's kind of the concept, but if we can break it up and each lot is worth, you know, basically what a production home builder would have it at, right? Basically a lower than wholesale cost of mm-hmm. land, then you're not adding much more than thirty to $50,000 to that product once it goes to conventional. So all of those stipulations have to kind of play out, but you know, you're not going to be living in the heart of Denver. You're not, you nope. know, it's, there's, sure. but, nope. but, but you, I mean, I hate to say this in this industry, but you get what you pay for, but it's going to be a good product. And it's going to be somewhere where you can start, like a college student right out of school, or a, you know, teachers that are. Where where can I go? Um, and there is there is availability of this land, and a lot of the stuff that we're trying to figure out has to do with like in front infrastructure too. And if those costs stay down, then we don't have to deliver that same cost to somebody else. So, I mean, is it has a problem been solved yet? No, but we're pretty far into it, and what we're trying to do is figure out, especially why that's why you're here is. Yeah. That concept, in theory, will work. This is a newer product, but this will work because of X, Y, and Z. So, well, the nice thing about SWBC as a bank, if you are looking for a bank to partner with on this stuff, is you know we are a mortgage bank. Like that's what we do, right. and when we have our own mortgages, we can write a lot of our guidelines and, and determine some of this stuff. So we could work up the chain at SWBC and come up with a program that sure. makes sense mm-hmm. as long as we can figure out the land and right. you know the ownership and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Totally we figure it out. This is one of the things we keep this is kind of where we we get stuck a lot. It's the kind of the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Do you go get the lender first, right? And say, hey look, in theory, like write me a letter of intent saying that if I delivered If I can find someone to do the initial investment. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly. And I can find a you know, builder, so I always say, which I actually <laughs> that would almost been figured out, honestly. There's the guys Yep, those guys there's guys we know that are very interested in doing something. In that it's first very, part, yeah. It's a very attractive kind of um, deal for them. But it's almost like you imagine you work it all the way up your chain of command. Mm-hmm. We get up there and here we come and where we look cleaner than this and we look like <laughs> presentable <laughs> men, right? Um, and they're like, okay, what are you doing? And they go through and say, here's all you need to know. There is going to be 10 houses 12 months from now that are going to be at a 40% loan to value. Okay. And, um, we want to know if based on that almost alone, Mm -hmm. right. Um, and 12 months of successful payments on this. That is reporting on credit. That's reporting on credit. If you will look at that and just mortgage this. For these people, just mortgage it. Just say, "Yep," and just right? say, "Let them say yes," and go shake their hand and leave. And I feel like it. Yeah, and I feel like <laughs> You're it. You're yeah. Oh no, you shook on it. No, no, you shook on it. Yeah. Um, but I'm afraid at that moment they're going to say, "Well, can you do all that?" Well, we need to know you're there first mm-hmm. we before we go do all of this. And I'm afraid they're going to say, "Well, go show me you can do that." And so it's like, okay. And then you say, "All right." So then let's go the other route. We get with the builder. And we are soliciting a builder to do this. And they say, well, do you have the mortgage lenders at the end? No, they told us to go find out if you're on board. And then if you're on board and we have money here to buy the land, then they'll do it. Well, go find out if you have a lender at the end first before we jump into this process. Well, that's why we're, I mean, that's why we're here. It's like, it's almost like a think tank, you know, it's. 
it's kind of this whole thing kind of started as a, as a loose concept of talking about a bunch of different issues and problems and you know we like to just ramble you can see that um, but bringing in people like you all the pieces kind of just interlace between this end and this end of the book right and saying we'll present the same thing if we have all this in place will you you think this will work yes and at the same time bringing people from the other end saying yeah. If, if we I can get, get if, someone to buy the loan again, yeah. If we've got <laughs> someone that'll, that'll cover you and pay you off in twelve yeah. months, are you are you game to do this? And it's kind of like we're you know we're playing yeah. each other. It's, we're mooching a little bit. Yeah. As, you know, I, I envision one day we're all sitting in this room and not everybody knows everybody. And the lenders there, the initial capital persons there, the builders there, and then the developers there. Mm -hmm. And like, okay, what are we all doing here? Who are these people? Okay, we're all gonna do this together. On a podcast. <laughs> yeah, on a yeah. podcast. Did you hear what he said? He said that if you would, it's recorded then now. he will. And if you do, then that means you, yeah? Everyone's nodding? Okay, there's one document. Everybody I mean, press hard, press a carbon hard. copy. Yeah, Somebody lean on his back, make sure it goes all the way through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We got it. Blood here and yeah, spit here. Yeah, so it's, I think, and so here's kind of what I have news. I had a conversation yesterday. Yeah, yeah, give me the news. With the capital. Yes. Let's do that. I'm at the point where I'm thinking the first thing that we need to do is know that the money is there to buy land, uh -huh. right? To be able to develop it and to be able to finance these things. At least that way we can then turn around and look when we have conversations with whether it's Katera or whoever else it is and say, look, we're looking for a builder. I have money to buy what you build. Right. Right. So I think that has to be number one is that who is going to be the lender uh, in the middle for the shipping containers for that 12 months and who is going to be the money to be able to buy and develop the land? Because if you're going to go to a builder, you got to be able to say, I need you to build 10 of these. I already have the capital to set them down somewhere to pay them off or to buy it. Right. Because they're the builder. They just want to sell them. So once we get that component, you know, whether or not you can build them for that price or whatever, we'll keep chipping away at that. But um, at that point, great. We have homes for sale, right, that we can give someone. We have land to set them on and we have a program in place. It's just missing the lender at the end. I think that's what it is. So right. I've been putting out feelers for the last couple of weeks. Um, I talked to two individuals yesterday. Uh, that just very serendipitously just kind of put this stuff out and sometimes they come to you and somebody came to me and said, hey, I'm thinking about starting a refinance company. Hold on. Stop. For what? <laughs> uh, for auto loans. Stop. Can I, can I just give you something else real quick? Um, it sounds like you want to lend money <laughs> on some sort of asset, yeah, and then hopefully get some interest back, yeah, and have low risk, yes, and you want that somehow to be paid in full sometimes, whether you sell it off or it gets or it matures through the whole loan. Yeah, okay, I have something for you. Um, and it's not depreciating. It's amazing. <laughs> and he's just like, what? And, and so I talked to him, totally enamored by the whole thing. He's like, hold on a sec. So at that point, and we went through the whole profit game, uh -huh. right? Can I make money doing that? Right, and I said, "Well, this is where, when it's brand new, we're we're in a great space for innovation." Right, and long story short, for the news portion of it, he's like, "I'm in, dude. Yeah, I'll give you what kind of money go. do you have? You know, um, right?" And he's like, "Well, I have enough to do probably your first pilot development, 
He's like, same kind of thing. But do you have the lenders at the right. end? Just hold on. I just need to let's know. Let's just assume that let's I can get a assume I have on board. Them. Can you? It helps if you tell me you would if I got them. Because then I'll go place. tell them that I have you, right? Um, so basically with one person he's super interested in. He wants to talk with us and how that would look. Um, Sounds it'd like be enough for a pilot. It'd be enough for a pilot development okay. um, where you can maybe say, look, we're going to do 10 homes and just we're going to just try it out. Mm-hmm. Um, still would have to buy. Now, that would be enough, I think, uh, just to buy the shipping containers. So I don't think this individual would have enough to also buy the, the land, land and then have it developed. Yeah, I envision some sort of investment pool of a couple, three guys. The right. people we've been talking to saying, you know, because it's, because anything that's brand new or doesn't make sense or whatever, like, I don't know, I can't wrap my brain around it. Um, they're going to, obviously, you're going to pull less risk into whatever investment it is. And so I'll give you this much that's all i'm willing to commit mm-hmm. if this guy and this guy are in place and we're all committed this is going to work on you know this initial level then we're, we're good to go mm-hmm. and here's you know we work out values and returns and all that um, i kind of envision i might have that. another guy for you oh yeah we'll see okay let's call him let's get him on speaker <laughs> hey we're live on the built by bailey podcast we've got a couple questions for you <laughs> <laughs> He'd probably just like, um, I'm going to hang up. Well, yeah. Who? What? I need yeah. you to call Hello? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this guy's a tax accountant too, so he'll... Uh... Mm. He's a bean counter. Ooh. He's got to have him, man. right now. Some other I like numbers. Is this your husband? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is not my husband. <laughs> I mean, this guy's printing off Excel spreadsheets on credit cards. He is basically. in our family, but he's not my husband. <laughs> Uh, what does your husband do, by the way? Uh, he has a conferencing company. A so conference, conference company? calling, video oh, conferencing, right, yep. um, screen sharing, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So he's, and he's also like develops all of his own technology. Well, like he doesn't personally, but he has a team that does yeah. it, and so they've developed a bunch of really cool like working video on stuff. new technology, like new to be able to make like, it better than it is now. Yeah, I mean they're kind of on the cutting edge of video technology now. Um, so he's when we want to live stream all this stuff, or, or we want to be able to have a podcast with somebody My out of husband state. husband can do it. Man. Look, set it up. You can be a sponsor. <laughs> Sponsored by we're, Vast Communications. We're really good at talking <laughs> people that are doing work for yeah. free. Yeah. Trade. Awesome. Um, barter and trade. He's like, I have plenty of clients. Yeah. Thanks. I don't need you. Um, I don't notes. need your grandma who's listening. Um, <laughs> To, uh, she yeah, yeah, it's not really my target demographic. <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, I love asking those questions because mm-hmm. it's crazy. Like networking is an insane thing. It's it's all. It's yeah, about, I mean that's. Yeah. Sometimes that's you just gotta what say about. what you're thinking, and someone says, "That's weird, man." I whittle uh, log bears. Oh my god! I need someone to make a bear for my front porch out of logs. <laughs> like, dude, I'm your guy. You should have just said you're you love that art. Um, Don't tempt me. I'm a changing. Sorry, yeah. I was just thinking about that. It's every time I drive around Colorado, I always see like the guy that takes the chainsaw yeah. and makes like bears and stuff. I'm like, is there really a market for that? That's <laughs> a, and there's always like a thousand of they them. They need yeah. a new bear at the veterinarian's office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, is there a market for like chainsaw carvings of bears? <laughs> it's a, just a different type of carving. Yeah. Holy cow! Uh, <laughs> I might be in the wrong business. Uh, of course, there's. Doesn't seem like he's running out of stock, so maybe no one's buying. No. Um, so yeah, so, so there are, you go. Yeah. So that's kind of what it is. Um, is there anything that jumps out of your mind that just like uh, shoot holes, shoot in, holes it. in it? Yeah. It's like, man, 
how would this work? Uh, I don't know how that you guys would accomplish this. I don't think you guys are smart enough to pull this off. I, I'm going to take your idea and run with it with somebody I'm else because now I've it got myself. it. Yeah, I'm actually going to do this now because I've got enough information. Yeah. No, it, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I think, you know, my initial hesitation would have been who, who are we talking about and yeah. do they have yeah. a demonstrated ability to pay and yeah. could they pay going forward? But but now that I'm rethinking it, it, it there is a huge need yeah. for affordable housing. And I think a lot of people think of affordable housing means people who can't hold down jobs. Right. But it doesn't. There's no. a lot of people who have jobs that can't afford to buy a $500,000 house, no. which is what the going rate is around here. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, the, this kind of all came about under three circumstances. One, on the Mill podcast, um, you know, we were lobbying out these real, you know, like visions of grandeur. Loose-ended. Yeah. Yeah, loose-ended um, theories. And somebody replied, I said on the podcast, why is it that a home is the most expensive thing you'll ever buy? Right? And it was in a context of a lot of other things. But that little snippet of a line, they clipped out and they put online. And some person got on there and said, clearly these two people, these two knuckleheads being him and I, know nothing about real estate or how financing works. And the irony is, well, that's weird. We have a broker, a builder, and a banker (laughs) saying these questions. (laughs) And I replied back like, hey, I encourage you to listen to the whole podcast. That was just a statement that was built around a whole other conversation. And not even a knucklehead statement. Right. And, um, And then also, my wife... Uh, was like, what would be more expensive? And I said, okay, but this to me is the roadblock, right? Um, If if what we're talking about came to fruition, you could go to a kindergarten teacher who is renting, and you can say, how long have you been a kindergarten teacher? Uh, 11 years. Great. Um, What are you paying in rent right now? 1,300. Okay, great. I want to give you a home. Just, I'm going to give it to you. But you've got to follow this process. It's got to be this type of home or whatever. But I can just give it to you. I can give it to you. It's yours. And in 12 months from now, there's $100,000 in equity sitting there for you. And you can use it however you want to. Like, that is the ultimate, you know, be able to do it. And to do that in a way that is responsible, do it in a way that is also protecting them if they lose their means to be able to make payments to set the lender up responsibly, to be able to give you a responsible loan. So to me, in theory, all Indochine, it all makes perfect sense to be able to do it. We are just having to blend essentially three three different types of industries into one. Right. And we're having to ask people to look at it differently and to, to challenge the question of, why wouldn't you give that person a mortgage? The other thing that happened was this was my scenario last year trying to buy a house. So rebuild the credit over years. I have a six-figure job. Um, I live in Colorado. I support three other people, including myself, with my income. And my income individually is pretty good, but in Colorado, supporting two kids and also a stay-at-home mom so she can be the house CEO, which was necessary at the time. It goes really quickly. It goes unbelievably fast. And I'm paying on a house that is... Now, I could have paid less, right? Um, I could have moved my family into an apartment, which wouldn't have paid that much less, by the way. No. Um, 
And when I first applied to like get a mortgage applied, whatever you want to call it, right? Someone says, well, we will approve you up to this amount, which would be like a $1,900 mortgage. And I'm like, well, why can't it be this? Well, you don't qualify for that. What do you mean I don't qualify for that? I'm paying $2,500 a month for the last four years consecutively on time. I understand what you're saying, but you're making an but income our statement. But using debt-to-income right? ratio. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so, um, right, and we got kicked into all of this. And I said, not only have I been able to pay the 2500 and of course at this point, this poor like mortgage broker is like, I don't even know what we're talking They're about, man. The computer right. says no, sir, right? <laughs> like, I, just, I, over, I can't override it. I can't override it. I think I understand what you're saying, but I, I, don't, I feel like you're just, you know, I'm like, look, man, I just want to, you know. Hands are tied. Um, I was like, not only was I able to pay the $2,500 a month, every single month, I've also managed to save during that time. So I found a way to do that, right? Um, so I'm, you're not going to be my lender, right? Um, but those two things in concert kind of was what got us here. Like, hold yeah, on, sure. man, there is a Why way to do this. Why shouldn't you be able to buy a house? Right. Why shouldn't I be able to buy the house? I have good credit. I make great income. Um, I'm clearly able. I'm, show, I'm demonstrating right now. So, But I get it. And this is where we always get stuck, by the way, is that we have this conversation and the feedback is... You guys don't understand how credit works. We do. What we're doing is we're we challenging how we're looking at it. And we're saying, if you're lending money on a home, let's focus on creating a better system that shows the lender what the true risk is on the home. And also with low-income housing and all these things. That was the other guest, by the way, is a developer who's worked with people on all. That whole process alone, and depending on subsidies and government money and working with the land and all the qualifications for low-income housing like no no no, that's too complicated right yeah. we want to make a whole separate lane that is real simple it's using simple understandings to be able to put people into homes right because if we get into this lane that currently mortgages are in or low-income housing requirements are in it's way too complicated that we can do some simple things and actually give people homes, protect them during it, and put the lender in a good position. Would you put like income income caps on it? I mean, like what would prevent me from getting one of your homes making the hundred thousand dollars? That's equity? a good question. Uh, I think initially, possibly because of what we're going to the product that we're trying to. You're trying to build. solve a problem. Yeah, we're solving a problem. Yeah. And so as far as like the, the actual pro forma sits up, it's gonna be a smaller home on a smaller piece of land and it's very specific to, it's or it's going to be specific to a certain type of buyer. Um, the, those... I, down the road, yeah, we could make them, I mean, it, it, things can change. There's a lot of variables yeah. there, but I'm not gonna get into it because I, I know- I guess the question you're... is why, why, why would you? Well, because that's the thing. Well, because I can make $100,000 in a year. Like, yeah. Yeah. It would be a great investment for me at that point. Right. But I'm probably not the person that you're trying to do this for. And then the other thing to think about on the next level is, okay, that person gets ready to sell. Are you requiring that it is a low-income house cap what they could sell it for? Are we letting market trends go? Are we solving a short-term problem or a long-term problem? The, the, anyway, the not things we need that, to solve yeah, now. No, no, but. no. That's no. It's the, the tough part about that is, is, is we don't have control over appreciable value or inflation. There's things that there's variables there that can, can kind of flip that. But if it starts at a certain price and it kind of runs over whatever period of time, I mean, everything's going to go up in price at some point. Um, so you know, again, going back like a San Francisco home for a million bucks is it's not that much property. It really is not. Yeah. But you sell it and come here. 
you're getting more for your more for your purchase and i think that same thing will happen with these developments over time that hundred thousand dollar home that someone bought is going to be worth more than that but it's still going to have the same type of buyer looking for it initially because they may their cost of living has gone up and that um that has changed the salary basis but someone's qualifying for that same type of property even though the value may be higher it's because they're making more but overall they're still towards the bottom so i think again going to values and markets i think that's about it yeah there would be an income cap but you got to be careful with that, I think, and I'll wrap it up with you with this, is, is, is if we cap it, does that change the lending criteria for someone coming in when we, when we go to flip it into a, a you know, real property tangible asset and there's a cap on it? I know there's stipulations with what type of products can be offered and that sure. changes the buyer a little bit too. So the bank may say, I don't want to get involved on too many of these because that ties me up for not being able to do jumbos or something. But this so. is what's nice about the fact that there's an in-between lender between the initial getting the home and the mortgage lender. Yeah. Is that we get to be, we, I proverbial we, we get to be flexible. Right. Yeah, we can figure right? out what the requirements are. Yeah, knowing we can... that we're trying to accomplish a goal mm-hmm. That's right. together. I right. mean, I'm sure That's SWBC right. would agree we need to have affordable housing for sure. people. Right who have legitimate jobs and incomes right. and right and and i also don't want this in theory to just be a um just a low income type situation because no. that's also subjective yeah low what if income, someone has high income but bad credit is... why shouldn't they be able right. to get into a home exactly. also that's right yep. i want it so it'd be you know because it might be a um yeah i the See, underwriting like that. for that, yeah, the underwriting for that would be, I have to say, flexible, which is a concern because that's usually not what most compliance and regula- <laughs> regulators like to hear. Yeah. Wait a minute, the requirements for a loan are flexible? Right. We like consistent, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I need yeah, to have yeah, yeah. a sheet yeah. that I so can check off. That's My kind of why I'm pausing yes, no. is I'm kind of like, okay, hold on a minute. But we're, we wouldn't be a mortgage company at that point. We'd be subjective different, but you would just really want to look at it in a way that's... Uh, Say, look, sixty thousand bucks for um, this individual. You wouldn't want to cap it out if that individual is responsible for paying for four other people, right? Because he's a It'd sole be different provider. than being an yeah. individual, right? So it, that's kind of why I'm pausing. It's like, well, sure. hold on a sec. I don't want to just say, well, you make sixty thousand dollars a year, go buy a house, because then that would be like me. Like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I'm paying for four people. Yeah, I might be making a hundred grand, but I can't. I I can't with all the other. Right, all the other expenses and everything that I have to save up money to save a down payment. If I was making a hundred grand and was single, I wouldn't even be talking to you right now. You'd be living the high life. I'd be living the high life and probably have multiple properties I've worked out at some Mm -hmm. point. But I'm paying for schools. I'm paying for insurance for those amount of people and food. And Mm -hmm. I'm paying for my kid to go to taekwondo because I want them to have a life. Just wait till I get into soccer. Oh, all the (laughs) other stuff. But that's such a good question because this has been one of the things I've been thinking about is how to what would be the underwriting guidelines for that first lender to say, look, I want to give you this. I want to just give it to you, but I have to think about who I give it to and how I give Mm -hmm. it to you and what those requirements are. They have to be standardized. Well, maybe right. have the lender help write it in the beginning to maybe. say, yeah, this is the type of portfolio I would buy. I know we're trying to solve this problem, so right. this is what I would consider. 
Yeah. Sounds like Jen wants to do that for us. So we'll let her just actually. We're going to have to actually, write it up the no, chain, no, but yeah. No, you, you're right. You're it's right. 100%. I've never actually connected this dot. I even said it early in the podcast that normally how securitization works, that in buyer usually is dictating that first loan. They're saying, hey, look, I will give you 90 cents to the dollar or whatever, right? If it's under these things, and that works it backwards to the loan that's being offered to you yeah. by that first lender. So you're right. So maybe what we should do is get the willing lender and say, look, in theory, do you agree to this? Yes, then help us figure out how to build the portfolio up front that you would end up wanting to buy 12 months right. from now, which would really be buying the portfolio, be just giving the initial mortgage. Well, yeah, you're, yeah, you're basically outlining the product you want to buy at the end, which is right. in favor and then of just anybody. working it backwards. Well, and then we'd have to figure out what if someone in your program didn't qualify. Like right. if we said you by the end of this have to have a minimum, let's just call it 600 right. FICO score and you have to have paid all 12 payments on time. Yeah. What if yeah. one There's or both of those though. doesn't happen, mm -hmm. the bank yeah. is probably not you going to You should be prepared for mortgage. me at this point if we do that together to push back. Like you have 40% loan to value. You hope this There's, person, in terms of greed, you yeah. hope that this person doesn't pay you. Yeah, Because theory. it's just a two-bedroom, one-bath house at that point, and yeah. it's yours, and you can sell it. Yeah. Matter of fact, I may buy that from you. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. sounds like a great deal for I, me. I'll buy all it. 10. Yeah. I'll buy yeah, it. exactly. Right? I'll buy it. Don't worry about it. If that person defaults, you call me. I will I will buy it for you every time. We, okay? well, I mean, we joke about that all the time. We put that whole thing up. If, once those pieces get in place... The bank's going to look at that and go, I kind of want them to fail. I kind of want them to fault after yeah, a year. I, I want that product. Sell it to anybody. Yeah, this is, yeah. Well, and that's why I'm saying like when we look Don't at credit that, and way. we look at all this stuff, we've, we've worked this into our normal process. But if there was a alternate process... I mean, think about what you said, like, well, what happens if they don't qualify and they don't have a 600 FICO? I'm going to say, why do they need to have a 600 FICO? Well, because we want to know if they're paying. They're paying. Well, what happens if they stop paying? I'll buy it. <laughs> Just, I'll buy it. Well, and regardless, if they, yeah, somebody else can buy it or you default. I mean, there, there are already processes built in right. for yeah, what happens right, if right, someone right. doesn't make their right. mortgage payment. Yeah. Exactly. Well, she gave us some homework anyway, so that's No, good. no, no, totally. I'm taking uh, some homework yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. No. Well... We're up the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, man. I'm not kidding. Um, okay. What else, man? Anything else? This uh, is great, dude. Yeah, this has been covered. awesome. Thank you Can for coming. Can we have you as a repeating yeah. uh, person? Yes, I would cool. love to. When you're yeah, feeling better, especially. I would love I was to say, I will be a lot once, more on the ball once, when yeah. I don't have a sign Once again, though, thank you so course, much so for much stepping in last minute, yeah. especially when you're sick. I truly appreciate that. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, we'll definitely have you back on. We'll yeah, have some, sure. more, some more stuff for you to think about. We'll throw more questions at you. and you can You're going to be our us. mortgage person. Anytime in this we want to have a mortgage or any kind of lending conversation around the industry, Let's we're going to ask you to come in. Yeah, for okay. you. Yeah. It's be great. Yeah, exactly. I appreciate um, it. How do people get a hold of you? Do you want to yeah. put that out there? Because some yeah, listeners definitely. may be like, I need a mortgage. Yeah. So ahead, you can yourself. definitely go to my website. It's jenhike.com. That's spelled J-E-N-H-E-I-E-C-K.com. My name, obviously, spelled Jen, J-E-N, hike, H-E-I-E-C-K, my number, 310-699-8278. Awesome. And I look forward to talking with you all about your Yeah, we'll, uh, when we post this stuff, too, we'll, we'll put it in Yeah, the, we'll blast. Uh, we always blast everybody. Yeah, we'll so. put it in Wonderful. the description, and we'll spread it around. On Free all marketing every time. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Um, all right, Shane Bailey, thank you. Thank Sorry you, Evan Bailey. late this morning, Jen. Thank you. Sorry, yeah, I ran thank late you this so morning. much. No Appreciate problem. you coming. And thank you, Confluence SPC. Thank you, uh, Six Nine Design, Brian Scott, Tom Hardy. Appreciate you guys. Uh, 
Keep, Thank you, hopefully, Jen's husband in the future. Yeah, Janky Jen's husband <laughs> in the near future. how to video conference our guests <laughs> in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, happy holidays, everybody, once again. And uh, we will uh, we'll catch you in 2020. Yep, be safe. We love you guys. Thanks, Bye. guys. Bye.